Hey Packer fans, it's here. Game day, Packers, Bears, what more could you possibly ask for? But guess what? It's the final week of the regular season and you can still go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Packers, Bears, let's do this right. All right, I'm gonna start with the bad guys first. I'm going DJ Moore, more than 49.5 receiving yards. Listen, he has been on a tear. He is an incredible wide receiver. I, you know, Darnell Mooney's out in this game. I'm sure they're gonna focus on him early and often. So this is this is one I just had to go with. DJ Moore, more than 49.5 receiving yards. And then Justin Fields, more than 39.5 rushing yards. So let's just put it this way. If DJ Moore doesn't get to 49.5 receiving yards and Justin Fields doesn't get to 39.5 rushing yards, Green Bay had a very good day at the office and they're going to the playoffs. All right, let's now go to the good guys. I'm going with Aaron Jones, more than 49.5 rushing yards. This, it's really hard to tell which Packers are going to get a lot of the receptions. We still don't know some of the injuries and exactly how it's going to affect this game at wide receiver. You've got Musgrave coming back. You've got Tucker Craft. Bo Melton's out there. They're activating Grant Dubose. It's really hard to tell which receivers are going to get touches. But with A.J. Dillon out in this game, I know they bring back Emmanuel Wilson, but you know they're still going to feature Aaron Jones. So I really like more than 49.5 rushing yards for Aaron Jones. And then last but not least, Rashawn Gary, more than 0.5 sacks. He is due not for just a sack. He is due for a big game. I think he breaks out of a little bit of a Rashawn Gary slump, not playing bad, but not having that huge impact we're used to seeing from him. I think we're going to get it in this game in an effort to get Green Bay to the playoffs. So to recap, I'm going DJ Moore, more than 49.5 receiving yards. Justin Fields, more than 39.5 rushing yards. Aaron Jones, more than 49.5 rushing yards. And Rashawn Gary, more than 0.5 sacks. The best part is you can go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Packaday Podcast. Happy freaking game day, everyone. Welcome into the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for being here today. Do you feel alive? Do you feel the pressure, the anxiety? It is Packers-Bears game day. Playoffs on the line. Win and you're in. Division rival. If you win, the Bears, of course, their fans are still going to talk smack all off season long because that's what they do. Win or lose doesn't matter. They still have the arrogance like they've just won a thousand Super Bowls in a row. But you win, you get the one up, you have two wins on the season against the Bears. Of course, most importantly, you're in the playoffs. You are not going to be on hard knocks, uh, which I assume if the Packers would lose, they probably will be. And it just feels like this total season tilting moment. You have a winning record or a losing record, playoffs or no playoffs, just everything on the line in this one game, Lambeau Field, 325, top CBS game, Tony Romo, Jim Nance, Man, goosebumps, what more could you possibly want on the final game of the season? And just think back for a moment of where Green Bay sort of came from at the beginning of this season, your expectations going into the year, whatever they were, they're playing for a spot in the playoffs today. Jordan Love is the franchise quarterback, just a crazy journey. 
I got a lot of things wrong this year. I got some things right. But if you believed me on one thing this year when I said it was going to be a roller coaster season, that is one I absolutely had from the very beginning. It has been that and then some. But this is the the final ride of the regular season. It feels crazy that today is either going to be the last day of the season or the Packers are going to the playoffs. And it it just it does not get any bigger than this. Before we jump into anything, huge shout out to our all new Packaday podcast members. A ton more. So if you have not checked them out yet, what are you waiting for? Uh, Brianna Hendrickson, John Jacob, Captain Quint, and Sir Omer Gaudet, uh, WTP. TV, Santi, Matt Geiger, Jack McMahon. Like I said, a lot of new signups. Everyone's enjoying it. So make sure to check those out when you get the chance. But enough about that. It is Packers Bears game day. Let's start out with the roster news from Saturday because it was fairly significant. Let's start from a Packers side of things. Packers activate both Luke Musgrave and Emmanuel Wilson, as was expected. I don't know if you guys saw um, on Friday, uh, Kyle Malzahn, a local sports reporter here, WFRV TV in Green Bay, uh, did report that Emmanuel Wilson said that it was his expectation he was going to be activated on Saturday, and that did come to fruition. Musgrave and Wilson both activated. The Packers did place Rudy Ford on injured reserve, so he's going to be out at least three weeks. So, Unless the Packers make a pretty significant run here, this will end Rudy Ford's season, could end Rudy Ford's time as a member of the Green Bay Packers. The Packers also released corner David Long Jr., so he is no longer on the roster. They elevated Grant DuBose, more on that in just a moment. They did not activate Luke Tenuta off of IR, so he was originally questionable. He will now not be able to play in this game because he is not officially on the 53-man roster, and they cannot do that on Sunday. Not that it really matters all that much, but if you were hoping to see some Luke Tenuta in this game, uh, that is not simply going to happen. Now, the interesting one here, obviously, let's start with the, the really great news, is that Luke Musgrave is back, and he is going to play in this game. That is a very significant opportunity for Musgrave. It's huge for the Packers. We'll see how they utilize those tight ends. My guess is Tucker Craft is still tight end one in this game. And then they use Luke Musgrave in a few different scenarios and have a specific game plan for him. Probably don't overuse him and just try to reintegrate him back within the system. But even still, if it's 10 plays, if it's 12 plays, 10 to 12 plays of Luke Musgrave is better than zero plays of Luke Musgrave and super excited to have him back. I don't think Emmanuel Wilson is insignificant either, specifically with AJ Dillon out in this game. If I were to bet, I would say that Jones is your one and Patrick Taylor is your two. And we might see a smattering of Emmanuel Wilson on offense. I would not expect a ton though. My guess is Jones is, is 1A and Patrick Taylor, they rely upon blitz pickups, knowing the offense, just, you know, not has not has been like actually in the offense this past month plus. I just think there's a there's probably a better chance that Taylor gets that playing time, but not impossible that Wilson could get a handful of plays, maybe a couple carries even in this game. And it's just great to have that additional depth uh, with AJ Dillon out in this game. David Long Jr., mostly insignificant. Rudy Ford was going to be out for this game anyway, and it's win and you're in, losing, go home. So uh, it's not super significant that he was placed on IR. But the interesting one here is that they elevate Grant Dubose. On the surface, and I really don't know any other way to look at this. It seems like probably one of the wide receivers that are questionable, either Christian Watson, Dontavian Wicks, or Jaden Reed had some sort of setback and are not going to play. The best possible reading of it is possibly that they have some level of concern about all three, and they just wanted an extra wide receiver on the roster just in case. But 
That would give them, if, if everyone were active, that would give them Watson, Reed, Dobbs, Wicks, Heath, Melton, and DuBose. And let's just be real here. Like, you don't need seven. You're already going to probably struggle to figure out how to mix and match snaps for six of them. Adding in Grant DuBose, who has not been active all season long. I could understand if like DuBose was this like dynamic special teams guy. And listen, maybe he has come up as a core special teams guy in practices all throughout the year. We haven't heard the name or talked about Grant DuBose all season long. So it's possible that in the you know, on, on the back end and in practices, he's been tearing it up on special teams. And they just like he's this all of a sudden undercover ace on special teams. But in all likelihood, uh, what this probably means is that one of the wide receivers is probably not going to be able to go. And if you had to guess, you would probably say Christian Watson, the guy that did not practice on Friday. Could have been a little bit of subterfuge from Matt LaFleur as well by saying that Friday, not him not practicing was a part of the plan all along just to keep Chicago sort of on their toes and expecting Christian Watson. With him not going through a little bit of that Friday practice, which is always the one that matters the most, it, it probably is not the greatest sign. I'm not reporting or saying for sure that Christian Watson's not going to play. Maybe he's active and maybe they know he can only give him 15 snaps and that's why they wanted the extra wide receiver. We simply don't know at this point and I'm simply hypothesizing, but it's hard to imagine that they want seven active wide receivers on their game day roster. I just don't see that happening when again, integrating the six is already going to be hard enough. So I would assume probably one of those wide receivers is going to be out. And again, I would probably say the most likely situation is that that's Christian Watson, but we're going to have to wait unless we get a report from Rappaport or Schefter or someone prior to the game, we're going to have to wait till those official inactives. Now, if we go back to the injury report, we knew that AJ Dillon and Rudy Ford were going to be out. Rudy Ford now on IR. Dillon, of course, is still out. We now know that Luke Tenuta is out as well, even though he was questionable since he did not get activated. Doubtful was Isaiah McDuffie. The questionable players in this game, Elton Jenkins, Jaden Reed, Preston Smith, Christian Watson, and Dontavian Wicks. Uh, you also had the questionable players, Musgrave, Wilson, and Tenuta, but with the activations of Musgrave and Wilson, you know they're going to play, and without activating Tenuta again, you know he's going to be out. Players to keep an eye on for the inactives is literally all those questionables, in my opinion. I, I do think it's like with Dubose getting called up, it's probably one of those you know wide receivers that are questionable are going to be inactive. And it's hard to say which one. I Again, I gave my hypothesis, but we just don't know. So you're going to have to kind of keep an eye on that. I still think you need to keep a little bit of an eye on Elton Jenkins. He did practice Friday, but there's nothing in like with a lot of these things, you can usually tell like, well, did they call up a player from the practice squad or not? And if so, that probably means a guy's going to be out just like we talked about at wide receiver, but they have enough offensive linemen on the roster that even if Elton wasn't going to play, they probably wouldn't have pulled anyone up anyway. So you still kind of have to keep an eye on that one. And then Preston Smith, same situation where they still have four edge rushers, including Brenton Cox, who would fill in a little bit more on the active roster if Preston Smith couldn't go. I would expect Elton Jenkins and Preston Smith do everything in their power to play. I still expect Dontavian Wicks and Jaden Reed to play, but I think you have to keep an eye on all three of those primary wide receivers, as well as Preston Smith and Elton Jenkins when those inactive lists come out to see who in fact is active, who is fact and not is not active. And uh, it's it, it could have a huge bearing on this game, dependent upon which of those players. I mean, those are significant players that Green Bay has as legitimate questionables in this game. All right. So from a Bears side of things, they had a variety of transactions as well. Lucas Patrick, the former Packer, was placed on injured reserve. He was questionable going into the game, but he's on IR, so his season is over. They activated Doug Kramer, who is a center who will take 
Patrick's place on the roster, not in the lineup. He'll be a backup, but he took his place on the roster. The interesting part here is the Bears activated Christian Matthew and Greg Stroman. For those of you who don't know, those are two cornerbacks. Now remember, Jalen Johnson, doubtful, would not expect him to play in this game, which is a huge, huge loss for the Bears and a huge potential advantage for the Green Bay Packers. But also, their slot corner, really good second round pick from a season to go. Kyler Gordon was questionable in this game as well. Now, we can't, again, necessarily just say apples to apples. They activated two corners. So these two guys are for sure going to be out. Could be, you know, just being extra cautious knowing that they have some of these injuries. I'd be pretty surprised if Johnson plays. And the fact that they brought up two corners at least makes you potentially believe that there's some doubt that maybe Kyler Gordon goes in this one as well. They could be without their two top corners in this game, which would again be a huge break for Green Bay if that does come to fruition. That'll be something to keep an eye on for those inactives as well. Reminder, Darnell Mooney is out in this game for the Bears. Questionable, Khalil Herbert, Cole Komet, and Patrick Scales. Komet and Scales did practice in full on Friday, so I'd expect them to go. And then again, we'll have to kind of keep an eye on Khalil Herbert, but they have got a pretty good stable of running backs. But Herbert's pretty dynamic, so that would be one to keep an eye on as well. Just before we get into the keys to this game, and I said this earlier in the week and I'll say it again right now, I fully understand and get that if you're hoping that the Packers are going to make the playoffs, you don't want them to backdoor their way into the playoffs. You want them to win by beating the Chicago Bears. And while deserve doesn't necessarily have anything to do with it, if they don't beat the Bears at home in the final week of the season to gain a winning record, go nine and eight, they really probably don't deserve to be in the playoffs. However, Deserve doesn't always have everything to do with it. And I will remind you that the Packers can get in the playoffs even with a loss. And there are things that you can cheer for with that noon slate of games. If you just want to see Green Bay in the playoffs, you don't care how they get there, then you, you want to cheer for every option that's uh, available. And I, I would still say if given the option between the Packers making the playoffs or not, you know, even if the Packers lose, I would say, sure, like put them in, why not? But uh, this is the way that you can go about doing that. In the noon slate of games, you want to cheer for a Vikings loss to the Lions. That has to happen for Green Bay to get in with, with a Packers loss to the Bears. In the 325 slate of, slate of games, same as the Packers time slot, the Seahawks have to lose to the Cardinals. Those two are must-haves. If the Lions beat the Vikings, or excuse me, if the Vikings beat the Lions, or if the Seahawks beat the Cardinals, if you get either of those, it's over. So the Lions, um, the Lions and the Cardinals must win. Again, Lions at noon, Cardinals at 325. You also need one of the following, either a Buccaneers loss to the Panthers or a Saints loss to the Falcons. One of those two, including the two that we just mentioned. So just to make it as hopefully crystal clear as possible, if the Packers lose, they can get in with a Vikings loss to the Lions, a Seahawks loss to the Cardinals, and either a Buccaneers loss to the Panthers or a Saints loss to the Falcons. Again, that noon slate of games, you want to cheer for the Lions, the Panthers, and the Falcons. Um, those would be games to cheer for in that noon slate. And if you get a Lions win and either a Panthers or a Falcons win in that noon slate of games, you could go into that 325 slate of games just needing one of either a Packers win or a Cardinals win. Either one of those, if everything goes right in the noon slate of games, just one of those would need to go right. Again, either Packers win or Cardinals win if everything goes right in the noon slate. So things to keep an eye on on the noon slate. But again, I am with you. I get it. We just want the Packers to beat the Bears and sort of screw everything else. So let's get into how Green Bay can go about doing that and the keys to the game. Number one, 
my number one key to the game is screw the Chicago Bears. And what I mean by that is this has nothing to do with the Chicago Bears. It's not about them. It is about the Green Bay freaking Packers. And to expound upon that just a little bit, the Packers are the only team, in my opinion, that's beaten the Packers this year. They are incredible when they play their style of football. I have seen, we've all seen, the Lions win in Detroit, the Chiefs win in Green Bay on Sunday Night Football. I get some of the players that were out for Minnesota last week, but an absolute thrashing of the Vikings a week ago in Minnesota, tough place to play. They still got Addison. They still got Justin Jefferson. This team, when they want to be good, they can be really, really good. And when they go out and play their brand of football, they can beat anyone. However, however, if Green Bay decides to get in their own damn way and they decide to make things difficult on themselves, they can lose to Tommy DeVito and the Giants. Baker Mayfield can look like the greatest quarterback in the history of time in that single game because they're playing the Green Bay Packers when they're not feeling themselves. They can lose uh, a game to the Atlanta Falcons that they dominated for three quarters and then decided to crap away in the fourth quarter. The good Green Bay Packers win this game against Chicago easily. The bad Green Bay Packers can lose this game to Chicago without much effort from Chicago. This is not about the Bears. The Bears are eliminated. I know they're going to try to play spoiler. I know that all of those things. I know that they're going to try to copy the Lions blueprint from a season ago. It has nothing to do with them. This is about Green Bay. Can they learn their lessons from a season ago when they had the opportunity to beat Detroit, a team that was also eliminated from the playoffs, to get in and go make some noise in the playoffs? They couldn't last year, learn from it, and be better this year, and just go out and attack, and I'll say it again, screw the Bears. It's not about them. You're better than them. You've been better than them for forever. So put all the you know, the anxiousness, the anxiety to the side and don't play tight. Just go out and play your best football. And if you do, this game is yours. You have a winning record. You go to the playoffs and let's see what happens next week. But that is my number one. It might as well be the entire list. Everything else that's below this is simply a piece of number one. Go be the Green Bay freaking Packers, the one that takes out some of the best teams in the league and you will win this game easily. So go do it, take it, it's yours. Let's go to the freaking playoffs. Hey friends, I'm sure you're all familiar with some of the hassles of finding game tickets at a reasonable price without all the headaches that go along with it. I've been on a bit of a roll lately as I went through one ticketing service that never sent me the tickets and I had to panically try to get a hold of somebody the day of the game. I had another service that didn't allow me to transfer tickets. So when I could no longer go to the Wisconsin Iowa game, transferring the tickets was extremely difficult. It was just all so frustrating. That was until I found GameTime. GameTime is so easy to use with a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection, easy to find tickets, and an even easier to use app. GameTime is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through emails and have those same panicky moments that I did the day of a game. So next time you're buying tickets, make sure you snag them using GameTime, stress-free. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Oh, and GameTime is also a great way to buy tickets for a holiday gift. Just make sure to use code PACKADAY. Download GameTime today, last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Number two. All right, now that we've got that one out of the way. Number two, contain Justin Fields. 
And I'm not talking about with his arm. Now, he could throw for plenty of yards. We've seen worse quarterbacks throw for plenty of yards against Green Bay. I don't think you can just abandon the passing game, but you've got to keep him in the pocket. You've got to contain him and you have to collapse the pocket around him. This cannot be hero ball. This cannot be a situation where you are getting out of your rush lane, out of your alley, out of your gap, whatever it is, and trying to go make a play on your own. This has to be 11 players playing together. This has to be uh, everyone, you know, again, just sort of collapsing that pocket around Justin Fields and making it so that his day at the office is incredibly difficult. You cannot have another Colin Kaepernick, you know, sort of playoff type performance where he just runs for a billion yards and you can't stop it. You better be sound on your read option plays. You better know exactly what to do. The communication better be strong. You just have to be smart. He's a super dynamic player with the ball in his hands. It is a pain anytime you have to try to tackle him. He can juke you. He can run you over. He is a super talented dude. No questions about it. But if you can kind of contain him and keep him in the pocket and make him have to keep his eyes downfield or drop his eyes and start moving around a little bit while within that pocket, there's there's two, there's like the, the Tom Brady movement in the pocket was so hard to do because he's constantly like aware of the rush and just like doing these little moves while always keeping his eyes downfield. That's hard to stop. Like that is, it's so difficult. Same thing with Justin. But if like, if you got Brady on the move, like outside of the pocket, he didn't want to be there. He wanted to be within the confines of that pocket, keeping his eyes downfield and getting rid of the football uh, usually pretty quickly. With a Justin Fields, it's kind of the opposite. You don't mind if he's kind of bouncing around the pocket and looking down a little bit. You do not want him to get outside. Once he gets outside, it's throwing deep balls down the field. It's second reaction plays. It is him taking off for 50-yard scrambles. That's where you do not want him to live. You want him to live in confined spaces. Brady, you wanted to get him out in kind of chaotic. Um, and I'm obviously not comparing Brady to Fields. I'm just saying there's different quarterbacks with Fields. Keep him in that contained space. Make him bounce around. Try to keep his eyes up and make him beat you with his arm. And if he, you know, if he does, you tip your cap. But that's the way you have to make him play. And if you do, again, I like Green Bay's chances in this game. Number three might be a bit controversial uh, based on how he's played this season. And I've been no stranger to saying it has not been good enough. He's coming off a suspension a week ago. We haven't exactly been told a million percent what the plan is for Jair in this game. But my number three is let Jair be Jair. And what I mean by that is you give him that DJ Moore assignment. I think he's hungry. I think he's going to learn from his mistakes. I think he's going to bounce back. I think he's going to have his game of the season. And I think this is a game where you're going to have to put a lot of time, effort, and energy into stopping the run. You're going to have to put a lot of time, effort, and energy into containing Justin Fields. And if you do that a little bit too much without a perfect plan for DJ Moore, DJ Moore can just beat you. And this is an assignment for Jair. And I'm willing to live with Jair, at least to start with. I'm not saying you can't have a plan B if it doesn't start going well, but I want to see what Jair can do against him. Jair, when he is on his game, is one of the single best corners in the NFL. That's why he's the highest paid guy. We should not forget how talented this guy is. Now, I know there's deficiencies in run defense. And um, again, he has not played his best football this year. Did not play his best football last year. I know uh, some of the awards and things like that, but I would still say it wasn't even close to his best. I think he's going to ball out in this game. I really, really do. And I'm excited to see it. And I think you need to give him that DJ Moore sign. I'm not saying you just man up on DJ Moore all game. I'm not saying that. You're going to have to switch up game plans. I like Green Bay and how they played in their zone defense a week ago. But give him that matchup. Let him ball out. And let's see what he can do. And because I think, he, like I said, I think he's going to have the game of the season for Jair Alexander this year. 
Number four, attack those replacement corners. We don't know, again, 100% for sure that Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon are going to be in or out. I'd be pretty surprised if Jalen Johnson plays. They did call up two practice squad corners as we discussed. Either way, there's almost assuredly going to be at least one replacement in there. Attack those corners. I'll also add to this, not on my necessarily like number four on my list here, but I also think you can attack Eddie Jackson. Romeo Dobbs got a touchdown in the back of the end zone against him in week one. That's a that's a safety who likes to gamble a little bit, uh, maybe gets caught peeking from time to time. I think you can take advantage of that, but absolutely take advantage of their beat up secondary and their safeties that might gamble, especially uh, Eddie Jackson from time to time. You're going to have to attack in the passing game. They're a stout run defense. They've been much better over the second half of the season. You're going to have to have a plan for that, but not having Jalen Johnson for Chicago should go a long way and give you an option and give you an out on how you can still pass the ball down the field and have a ton of success. Number five, you need to have a perfect Aaron Jones plan and you cannot forget about him. Chicago's defense is really good when it comes to stopping the run. We just talked about that, but their interior is stout. They've got big guys in the middle that clog things up. Their edge defenders can get a little bit, you know, greedy from a pass rush standpoint from time to time, but their linebackers just flow to the football and are really good run defenders. Their corners and safeties come up and tackle well. So there's no easy way. You don't really want to just live running up the middle. If you run sideline to sideline, then you've got to deal with Edwards and Sanborn and Edmonds and those guys. And again, their safeties and corners are good at, at uh, coming up and attacking the run. So there's no perfect alleyway or lane or any direction that you want to go in this game. So it's going to be imperative that they have a, a great Aaron Jones plan. And they did in week one. Remember, it wasn't necessarily through the ground. They hit that big screen play, uh, the sort of the roll one side, throw it all the way back to the other side, the little angle route that goes for a touchdown. It doesn't necessarily have to be on the ground. You can do it in a variety of ways, but you got to find a way to make him the focal point of the offense and have him be successful and make sure that you do not forget about him. Even if things are not going great in the run game, you still got to find a way to get him the ball in advantageous spaces. I think they will, but that is a huge key to this game. Uh, if, if Aaron Jones is taken out and they just don't use him and you get to the end of the game and you're asking, why did Aaron Jones only have eight carries? Things probably didn't go very well. So they're going to need to make sure that he's a focal point of this offense. Number six, get Jordan Love settled in early. We have seen with Jordan that sometimes that first quarter, first half, he can be a little bit jittery, a little bit inaccurate, maybe not within the rhythm of the game. Can you get him a couple easy completions early? Can we get a bootleg and just a little throw to the flat to Tucker Craft to start the game? I've, I've said this. It seems sometimes like he needs to run the ball or maybe even get hit. Maybe you start with a read option and have him keep it to start the game. And just to maybe because everyone's going to be focused on Aaron Jones. Can he take off for 10 yards and slide, pick up a first down and just kind of get that, that mojo going? Whatever it is. I don't care. Hey, maybe it's a 80-yard deep bomb to Christian Watson on the first play that they connect on. I don't care how you do it, but can you get him settled in the game early and find a way to kind of cool him down or like, I don't know if I want to say cool him down or heat him up, whatever it needs. Because again, sometimes he just starts a little bit jittery and then all of a sudden in the second half, he takes off. You can't just have a good second half Jordan Love. We need a four-quarter Jordan Love in this game. So find a way to get him in rhythm early. Number seven, rally and tackle rally and tackle, rally and tackle. This is not the game to be loafing, to not getting to the football. This is going to take all 11 on defense. 
this run offense for Chicago has the ability to be di- you know dynamic, in large part because of Justin Fields. They'll use some end arounds and reverses. Watch Tyler Scott, rookie wide receiver. Watch DJ Moore. They like heck. They might hand it to Cole Komet. You don't know where they're going to come from, um, and they're going to use a variety of different run plays to keep Green Bay off balance. And it's going to be imperative on everyone to rally to the football. We know Justin Fields, DJ Moore, Khalil Herbert, like Roshan Johnson, those guys can break tackles. And Green Bay's a bad tackling team. We don't need to sugarcoat it. They're a bad tackling team. But if one guy misses and there's three more guys to clean up right after it, it's okay if it's like on those few plays where you you know miss a tackle, if it, instead of six, it goes for nine. All right, that sucks. But it can't be instead of six, it goes for 50. Those are the big plays that can break you. So rally and tackle, rally and tackle, rally and tackle. Number eight, Kenny Clark needs to punk Cody Whitehair. Kenny Clark should win this matchup easily. Whitehair is getting a little bit up there in age. Obviously, Kenny Clark is as well, uh, but Whitehair does not do well with power. Kenny Clark plays with leverage and power. This is advantage Kenny all day, every day. This is to go to the playoffs. I've said it a million times, so I'll say it a million and one. This defense often goes as Kenny Clark goes. If he can dominate the middle of that that offensive line for the Bears, specifically Cody Whitehair, Green Bay can eat to whatever level this defense can actually eat at on defense and just be so much better. So I need I need Kenny to go out, have his best game of the season, and just annihilate Cody Whitehair all day throughout the entirety of the game. Number nine, keep a close eye on Montez Sweat versus Rasheed Walker. Rashid's been really good in pass pro, specifically over the second half of the season. Um, his pass block win rate is one of the highest in the leagues, uh, in the league, I should say. And, you know, I, I expect him to be fine against Montez Sweat, but that's sort of the one guy you cannot let just take over and make it a living nightmare for Jordan Love. So just keep an eye on it. If he is struggling with that matchup, you might need to chip. You might need to keep a running back in. You might need to just be a little bit more cautious, maybe slide the offensive line to that side a little bit more. But I think I think Walker's going to be fine. And I would probably start the game just playing it straight up and feeling like, hey, we're going to be okay. But just keep an eye on that matchup because the last thing you can have happen is Sweat all of a sudden. You look up at the box score at the end of the game and Sweat's got three and a half sacks, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, whatever it might be. If Walker's getting beat, I'm not saying you need to put like Yash in. Walker's been just better than Yash, period. End of story. So don't make that change, but just have a plan for it just in case is all I'm saying. Number 10, last but not least, do your job. Nobody needs to be a superhero in this game. It's the Bill Belichick way. It's doing your 111th. We've all heard the cliche sayings. I loved how Green Bay played a week ago against Minnesota. It wasn't trying to do too much. It was just everyone doing the job that they were tasked to do, both on offense and defense. There were a few plays, very rare, that Green Bay did not do this. Samori Toure on the punt return. He tried to do a little bit too much on that play. Should have just fair caught it. Should have made sure he got the catch first and then just basically ended things right there. He tried to do too much. He tried to be maybe a little bit too fancy. Now they had a big lead at the time, but it ends up in a huge mistake. Rashawn Gary on a couple occasions, early in the game, late in the game, collapses inside, does not keep contain. Quarterback uh, is able to get to the outside. And in the first play had a easy, I think he actually just ran for it, Jaron Hall. And then late in the game, just bought a ton of time and, and gave uh, his corners a ton to do in the back end. Thankfully, there was no play to be made. And the, the Packers defense, uh, Nixon is the one where he almost intercepted it, but was out of bounds and ends up being a turnover on downs. But it was, it was few and far between. But it was when Green Bay 
did not do their 111th and tried to overextend themselves and did not do their job, that things became more vulnerable and you had mistakes that were being made. If Green Bay goes out and has that same mentality that they had last week against Minnesota, they will beat Chicago. They will get a win. They will go to the playoffs. Don't try to go outside of your assignment or again, try to do too much or cover for someone else. Trust your teammates. Do your specific assignment, your specific role, and you're going to be just fine in this game. That's how I want Green Bay to play this game. I want them to play aggressive. I want them to play attacking. I want them to play their best brand of football, but also at the same time, not trying to do too much where you're overextending yourself and you're setting yourself up for failure by just overcommitting or not being in the spot that you're supposed to be in. And it opens up a huge alley or gap. And again, on offense, we can say the same thing. It's not just defense. It's offense. It's special teams. It's everyone. Do your 111th, do what you're supposed to do, and Green Bay is going to come out with a victory in this one. Just to recap it, number one, screw the Bears. Play your best football. Don't even worry about what they're doing. Number two, contain Justin Fields. Three, let Jair be Jair. Four, attack those replacement corners. Five, have a perfect Aaron Jones plan and do not forget about him. Six, get Jordan settled in early. Seven, rally and tackle. Eight, Kenny Clark, dominate Cody Whitehair up front. Nine, keep a close eye on that Montez Sweat, Rashid Walker matchup. And 10, do your job. Again, this is either the final game of the season or Green Bay is headed to the freaking playoffs. Packers 23, Bears 20, big win, Lambeau Field. Green Bay's going dancing in the playoffs. I cannot wait for this one. So excited to be at Lambeau Field. Goosebumps thinking about it. Enjoy the hell out of the game. Enjoy the hell out of the, hell out of the day. Uh, easy for me to say. Uh, but these are the, the special matchups. This is what we do this for all year long and listen to all your, like, this is it. This is so freaking fun. And like I said, I hope you guys enjoy the heck out of it. Shout out to our Hall of Fame and All-Pro members, most hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wild, Che Bradad, Arnaldo Espinoza, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Donald Lee, Lori Lord, Baby QB, MB1023, and David McCluskey. That's going to do it for me today. But until next time, and as always, and today more than ever, go Pack Go.